one way out into this wilderness to find. Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Jenna, God grant you good morning. And hark, for I bring with me tidings of a great movie to recount unto thee. What do I say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I know not. I wasn't prepared. I wanted to work in hither or thither because they say hither and thither. Hail, listeners, and well met. He be John, and I be the witch of the wood. <laughs> Hebe John sounds like a scary name. <laughs> Got the Hebe Johns. And I'm Mercy. And I'm Mercy. <laughs> I'd be the witch of the wood. Clickety clackety. Oh, Clickety clackety. That's my favorite part. Me too. Clickety clackety. Clickety clackety. <laughs> my favorite too. Oh, Mercy. Oh, Mercy. <laughs> oh, Mercy. That's my I'm favorite I'm going kind part. of James Brown on it now. <laughs> Okay, so should we start all over again? <laughs> I'll clip something out of this. <laughs> okay. I'm a trained therapist and I now oversee a group of youth therapists. I am a registered nurse uh, with a specialization in mental health and addictions. And we are so excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, I remember you introduced me to this movie and it is Did I? so, so good. Probably close to the time that it came out. Yeah. So we're talking about Robert Eggers' The Witch which mm-hmm. was certainly the first time he was ever on my radar for any reason. And yeah, I remember just being kind of blown away by the movie and then mm-hmm. had heard some criticisms and stuff. Yeah, I was going to I was going to um talk to you about the criticisms as you mm-hmm. remember it. What were the criticisms leveled against it? Well, I don't think that they're way off piece, you know, like that they're that I've heard that it's a slow burn and it's not everyone's cup of tea and not everybody loves period pieces and I certainly mm-hmm. don't. The dialogue can be difficult to follow. But I was so just immersed in it. Mm -hmm. I was so tense, even though I wasn't always abjectly scared. Mm -hmm. And I just thought the atmosphere of it carried me through the whole thing. And I I didn't find it wanting for anything, really. I thought I think it's excellent. Yeah. As I was watching it today, I was thinking, I'm like, I don't really find it slow. There's always something going on. Yeah, I'm always wrapped up in exactly what's happening. And it's not that long. And it kind of jumps right into the action, too. Like, I mean, hell yeah, it does. Yeah. So I, I... I personally feel like that was not my read on it at all. And I also didn't find, I like that they did the super old timey language because I felt like it it was super fitting and I didn't find it hard to understand because it's, they're saying pretty simple stuff, you know, like if they were using a bunch of terms that nobody knew, then maybe, but I feel like they were using language that was old timey, but it's not like it. I had to look up what hither and thither meant, you know? No, because it's almost like, it almost helps me to understand someone who might say they've been exposed to a language enough that they can understand it, but they can't speak it because I mm-hmm. could pick up everything they were yeah, laying yeah, yeah. down without dropping any of their content, yeah. even if I didn't recognize every singular word, mm-hmm. right? It's like a uh, pirate code. I yeah. understand it. Can't speak it. Yeah, you could speak parlance or parlay or Par- whatever. It's a parlay, <laughs> which is French for speak. Well, there you go. So there you go. A bunch of French pirates. Yep. Did you, all, did you find it difficult at all with their accents? Only occasionally. 
Yeah, I I didn't have a hard time, but I probably watch things that are like American most and British second most. So I'm familiar enough with the accents. Sometimes if there's too much English slang, I kind of Mm. lose it. Or you know what? I mean, I don't know if it's my age. Sometimes any show, I'm like, what did they just say? So it's not even mm, are always you talking about, about the like accents. currently. No, I actually watched like a YouTube video, a Vox thing that was about like why so many people nowadays watch their TV shows with subtitles on. Really? Even when it's in English, yes, because it. This guy was saying like, so it it kind of seems like anecdotally a lot of people have that problem that yeah, they can't yeah. understand what even when it's in English and they and they speak English and they put subtitles on. And he said that. Basically, this video said that it's a combination of a bunch of things, mm. um, like like sound mixing trends currently and like acting trends where people are a little bit less like transatlantic accent enunciate for the back of the room oh. and a little <laughs> bit more like naturalistic. Yeah. And also, and it's like sound mixing for the theater that doesn't work at home, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's actually like a common problem. It's not just you. It's not just your age. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll get into this movie, but <laughs> I, I really, I, I love this movie. I, I know that some of the things we're talking about, as I understand, Robert Eggers was like really um, adamant that things be period y- proper. Yes, I was going to say period appropriate and yeah. like real. So it's like... They got like a roof thatcher, which is wild, yeah. To to thatch the roof appropriately. So it gives me the sense that like maybe their accents, maybe their speak was, um, you know, I think they used period specific. I, I'm quite sure that they used like um, texts from the time to get their like so their speech cool. for sure. And it shows. I think that yeah. it felt very authentic to me. And I remember seeing a page of the script, and it said. Something about it not looking like the actors covered in dirt, but it looking like a farmer. And I'm like, yeah, I think that came across. Like, it really did feel like these people were immersed in that world. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like there was no world-breaky stuff that was messing with me at all. Mm -mm. And I will say, I'm not always the biggest fan of period pieces, but yeah, this movie I absolutely love. I definitely don't have a problem with period pieces. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of period pieces I love, so... That wasn't a barrier to entry to this for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, loved it. Didn't take me out of it whatsoever. If I ever have a problem with period stuff, sometimes it might be in books, but even still, mm. not not so much. Not a big fan of like bodice ripper type oh. novels? Uh, no, like I'm sure I could get on board with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we start with scenes of the family. Are they basically so... You know, the dad speaking on behalf of the family, William, is he speaking to, like, a? is he in a court? I think basically, like, I don't know if it's, like, the town magistrate or something, but my impression is that they are, like, they are New Englanders. So yes, they, yes. Yeah, and, uh, like, they remember being in England, like, they're brand newly there, like, came over on a ship recently-ish. Mm-hmm. And they're in one of the first American colonies, which were super Puritan. And the dad is, like, feeling like his town of Puritans is not Puritan enough yeah. for him. Yeah, it boils down to... And he's to, very prideful. That's right. It boils down to the dad is extremely dogmatic and extremely uh, religious and strict. So much that even, like you say, this Puritanical 
um, settlement in the 1600s is like this guy's too, too much. Too freewheeling for him, yeah. Yeah, that, that exactly. That they're, you know, he's basically looking at them as flower children, essentially, right? Which yeah. is, is kind of crazy. Bunch to of think. shaggy-haired liberals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, basically, what happens is because, like you said, he's got all this stuff going on where he thinks these people are not up to my moral standard, and he is so prideful. He says, you know, fine, well, I'm not staying here, and they exile him, and he's happy. So he and his family... I'm moving my whole family a to the days, woods. A day's horse ride away. Yeah, yeah, and, like, they're in the wilderness, right? Yeah. So they basically move to the wilderness and, and create their own homestead, their yeah. own farm. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first scenes, and next we see a scene of Thomason, his eldest, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. This was, I think, the first time I can remember seeing her. Yeah, I want to say it's definitely one of her first big roles. Mm -hmm. She was 18 at the time, far as I understand. And she looks it. She looks like a kid to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think she looks younger than 18, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Which is great. Yeah, it played well. Yeah, I think that's and amazing, amazing performance for your 18 years old. I agree. She did great. Even before anything really happens, the score is taking us firmly into the <laughs> horror genre, I yeah. think, right? Very There's spooky. these like very unsettling, frantic strings and it, it's there's like yeah, a right. lot of kind of nasty notes that are grinding against each other and just putting like, you on edge. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's like literally like quavering voices as in a choir <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. You know what it almost reminded me of? You remember the first season of Glee? When they'd be like, <laughs> and I was like, but yes. it, it's like that, but like it's meant to torture in. you. We see a scene of Thomason praying, and I think this really sets the tone for the whole thing. She, her prayer is like immediately it's filled with shame. I'm so, basically just not as good as I should be. Yeah. And on, and not even for a specific reason, yeah. but because I'm a living person. Yeah. Sin is in me. I'm not worthy. I'm not as good as I should be. And I've, I've broken every one of uh, God's commandments in thought. And it's like, can yes. you imagine that? Oy. Exactly. So she's thought about, you know, greed or gluttony or eating too much or something like that. And thought about killing her parents. Hey, well, can't blame her. But I thought that that was just so telling of like where this family is at. And then they just go down from there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And I'm definitely of the perspective, and especially in my work, that there's no such thing necessarily as a bad feeling. Obviously, feelings can be really uncomfortable and they can really be, they can torture us in some ways, right? Um, But every feeling kind of has its place. Sadness isn't fun to feel, but there are times where it's important to feel sad and and this and that, and they help to really drive our behavior and hopefully in the right way. But I think some people I work with might disagree with me sometimes when it comes to the emotion of like shame, because shame is not particularly helpful. But do you know what's interesting is that that's not one of um, that's not one of like the first. There's a word for it. It's like a secondary emotion. Yeah. Because like there's the there's emotions that we're like born with, and it's mm-hmm. like like joy, anger, 
um, like discussed, which like literally Inside Out, mm-hmm. that that movie like literally got it right. Like I remember like learning about it in Psych, and mm-hmm. then there and then there's emotions that develop later because of social constructs, and like shame is one of those, and like guilt and those kind of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So it's so you saying that every emotion is good. I think that that applies when you're talking about joy, anger, uh, sadness, fear, and disgust. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, those are some prime examples, and yeah, you can see why, right? Yeah, but if you want to talk about, like, jealousy as a feeling, or shame as a feeling, or guilt as a feeling, I don't, I think that those are in another category. They might be, yeah, and there might be, t- they might be the most seldom useful feelings, but I think that there's times that they have use. So, like, if I never felt guilt, I'd be a wicked, terrible person. Like, you need guilt in order to analyze the things that you've done and avoid making the same mistakes in the future. You know, shame, I might even look at in the same way, but it so easily crosses the line to, it just brings you to this mm-hmm. hopeless place mm-hmm. where you're, I'm bad, I'm no good, and I'm not coming out of this, right? And so a lot of times, I think shame can stray really quickly into that just kind of empty place. And for me, it was just so sad to think of Thomason, like she's clearly had this drilled into her head mm-hmm. that you need to accept that you're just, as a human, because you're human, you you have all these bad things about you inherently. Right? I know. I, I always found that a little bit of a barrier to entry for like Christianity's doctrine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that like just by being human you are you are inherently sinful and i mean they talk about it in this movie but like the idea yep. that in the catholic church that an unbaptized infant doesn't get to go to heaven no kidding like I'm what a sick like, thought right oh, poor little baby never did a damn thing i know and that is a that is a very important theme in this film it, as it well it is yeah right but i just see like there's so many things in this movie it is like torture to watch in a way because it's like this would be horrible living in the 1600s would be horrible (laughs) period right even if you had the best family in the world be like dang their hobby is survival yeah you know what i'm saying especially this family where they live it does at one point show the crops that they've tried to grow and they're like full of blight so they're they're sick and they're dying and there's a really interesting theory online. I don't know if, if you've seen it, that there was ergot. ergot. Yeah, that there was ergot on their crops, right? Which can cause hallucinations and a bunch of other things, you know, really uh, bad convulsions and physical ailments too. Yeah, that, that's a, you know that that's like a classic theory about the um, witch like trials. Witch Is that trials. right? Yeah. Oh, geez. Is the idea that, and I think it's like more or less a fun theory that people think might be kind of interesting rather than okay. l- what likely actually happened kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. But it's uh, it, it's interesting to think it might be a component of it that, yeah, people started to act in weird because they were being poisoned by ergot. And then someone said, that's some witchy behavior right there. Yeah, right. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about it closer to the end, but like paranoia is also a huge theme of this movie. Right. And everyone's paranoid of other people, of their neighbor, of their family and everything. So if anything out of the ordinary happened, it seems like people wouldn't know how to explain it and they might start to panic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. 100 percent. And who knows? I mean, that's still the case. We just can explain more now, probably. Right. There was like satanic panic in the 60s and like all this 
wild mm-hmm. stuff that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Was it the 60s, 70s? No, that was like the 90s. It was? Yeah. Oh, with like the... Um, like the... Those kids were in jail? West Memphis 3. West Memphis 3, okay. So... That's the first like moment of the movie that we've discussed so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, we cut quickly to a scene where Thomason is tasked with care of her youngest brother, who's a baby, a very small baby named Samuel. Yeah. And she's really cute. She's like playing peekaboo with him mm-hmm. while he's on a nice burlap sack in front of the woods. Yeah, but giggling. <laughs> Probably about as fun as it gets for them. And he's giggling. It's going great. And then she covers up her face to play peekaboo one more time. And she opens her hands and he's gone. Mm-hmm. So like no speaking, trace. speaking of the paranoia aspect, mm-hmm. like if my daughter said I was playing peekaboo and then the four month old baby was gone, I would be like, oh, what the fuck? Like, yeah. no, what is she not telling me? Like, I would be suspicious. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, it, yeah. something happened. Yeah, like just completely terrifying. You know what? Probably ever since like Labyrinth, the idea of uh, being a girl in charge of your younger sibling's care and then having something happen to that kid is a terrifying thought to me. Like, do you remember Labyrinth very well? No, wasn't one of my big movies. So Jennifer Connelly is like a teenager and she's babysitting her like little like toddlerish age brother and said mm-hmm. and gets tired of him basically and it's like oh like take this guy away or whatever and then like the goblin king does and that idea was completely terrifying to me that you could just like basically not love your sibling enough and then have something bad happen to them because of it so i feel like that's what this is <laughs> not taking good enough care of your little baby on poor thomason she was literally looking away for, for like two seconds like a second enough to enough for the baby to realize she was gone because she couldn't see her face anymore yeah. little baby sam oh and, and then you know cut to like a whole bunch of storytelling really quickly and um, like i know do you know what i like about this movie mm-hmm. no doubt about it there is a real witch yeah they don't play it's coy not, was it a witch or was the witch a metaphor? <laughs> there is a spooky, ghoulish, mm. old hag of a witch yeah. in the woods who mushed up a baby into paste in the first five minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, following that scene, I don't know if it's immediate, but we see um, a nighttime scene of, as you say, this hag who takes a knife to this baby. And yeah, first you see just like the little baby in candlelight and it's just like beautiful little body. Like oh, there's yeah. there's nothing like just a little baby in just a diaper. It's like beautiful skin. It's big bulbous <laughs> stomach. Yeah, he's just so <laughs> sweet and calm and whatever. And then and this old lady takes a knife to and it. And this old lady mushes him up into paste. And literally, yeah, with like with a, a mortar, pot, and, like pestle, a mortar yep. and pestle, grinds him into liquid and rubs it all over her naked old crone body. Which, does that make her young? I think so. I think that's the, yeah. that's the gist. Right? So... Yeah, that's that's pretty much as horrific as it gets. Even though yeah. this movie is indeed does have some slow burn elements to it, we also just saw that happen in the first five minutes, yeah. right? And it's it's like I feel like I can imagine this being something that people in the 1600s would say. Oh yeah, you know they would say like, oh I you know at a witch trial I can imagine them saying, I saw Goody Sarah. She stole my baby and she mushed him up into paste in the woods. You know, I can imagine. They're like, I saw it too. And then, you know, cut to the family. Mom's in grief. 
and yeah. she's crying and wailing, but she's kind of like they have her like behind a sheet. I think that's her bed. That's like her bedroom. Her her yeah, like their bed has curtains on it. But they almost treat her like a monster. Oh, like I, the kids kind of go up to the sheet and don't look in and like you can hear her wailing and making these sounds. It almost had hereditary vibes. Oh. Cuz you yeah. don't really see her, you just hear her reaction, you know? I was going to say, it just seems almost like they're trying to just go about their work and, and letting her do her thing. I didn't feel so much like they were afraid of her, but just that they realized that life has to go on and they were going to let her do what she needed to do while they kept the farm running kind of thing. Maybe you're right. And one of the things, Caleb, who I think is the next oldest, and he's Thomason's brother, Yeah. Um, he kind of wakes her up and then he's like, go to, go back to sleep. And I was like, okay, I didn't understand why he, why he had to do that to poor Thomason. But she gets up. Obviously, she's feeling awful. Boobs. Yeah, he also happens to be looking at her cleavage, right? And I mean, if you lived completely isolated. I think we can understand Caleb's plight, right? He's becoming like pubescent. And he's isolated in the wilderness with only his family. And I don't think that he's being like, he's not trying to. He's not being pervish and trying to assault her or anything. He's, he's just, noticing. He's just, like, curious. That's true. He's noticing, yeah. and he seems kind of horrified at the idea, at the I'm idea sure. that he's noticing, right? Cause I'm sure. Because he's got the gospel pummeled into him by his mom and dad, right? So he probably feels a lot of shame about that, too. I'm sure he thinks that he's being, like, sinful and lustful. Exactly. Even though it was, like, an involuntary reaction that he had, right? So the poor kid. Um I, I did have a note, just like you said, everyone, especially the dad, is so dedicated to surviving that many of them don't have time or energy to really feel much of anything or show that they feel much of anything about the missing baby. Because mm-hmm. the goats still have to be bedded down. Mm-hmm. Dad's still got to find a way to feed the family and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, is it pretty much here that we go hunting with uh, Caleb and dad? Yes, so Caleb and and William, the dad. This is where they talk, and Caleb is asking, like, is Sam in hell, basically? Because they've kind of agreed, like, he's dead. We can't look for him anymore. They were looking around for him, and he says, well, he's either, like, frozen to death, basically, or been eaten by some critter, and, like, is no bones about it, says that to Caleb. Yeah, he, um, do, he doesn't he doesn't, doesn't shelter say, him from anything. Well, and but he, I, and I'm not trying to say that he says it in a cruel or like shock value way, sure. but I mean, it kind of says yeah the the truth of it. Um, but then Caleb's like, yeah, well, he wasn't baptized, so does that mean that he's in hell? And I feel like the dad doesn't really want to reckon with that. Um, well, and and I agree. And then Sam was a months old baby, but mm-hmm. in Dad's mind, he was born a sinner. And when Caleb's asking these questions, like, does that mean my baby brother's in hell? He's like, I can't tell you that. Only God can. Like, he can't, yeah. he can't say, he, no, he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he can't even kind of do that because he, he would probably think that was wrong to do, right? And so he says that we, we pray that he's in heaven. Yeah, like, exactly. please, please take him to heaven. Yeah, he's like, hey, kid, I don't know. Maybe you and Sam will both go to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, jeez, poor guy. He's also kind of having Caleb practice the fact that he's sinful and impure by nature, like that he's naughty by nature, basically, <laughs> because again, because you're a human, that's what you are. And so he's like practicing the fact like, right, I have sin in my heart. I have sin, all this <laughs> stuff. And he's having him recite these things. Yeah. So it's just like pounded into them and it's like suffering 
is the through line of this whole movie. And it's like all that stuff. Yeah, like uh, you're a sinner. You better hope that you pray hard enough and good enough that God takes care of you. Like that's the the message. And so you can see why that would grow tiresome. You know, and I, <laughs> yeah, why you would be like, life you know is hell, and, and why you might be like, you know what? Are there any other options? Well, yeah, what does this goat have to offer? Yeah, what does this goat have to say? <laughs> That's true. I I completely agree with that. Right. I I feel like it does a good job of establishing that. You can understand anyone's motivation to change anything to improve their situation. Yeah, right? and and this this whole movie, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, mm-hmm. but this whole movie, Thomason is towing the line, doing what she's supposed to do. Yeah. And it doesn't pay off for her. Not in the least. She is doing her darndest, her best to be faithful, to be honest, to be like a true to her family. And she gets nothing for it. She gets shit on for it. So you can see why she might get a little bit frustrated with her lot in life. Yeah. Yeah. What's the use, right? Thomason is um, doing some of the farm work. She what was with that egg she dropped? It had like a it had like a dead kind of red chicken in it. Okay, so it was a fertilized egg. Then. But it was like there was something wrong with it. I think we're we're meant to take from it. She kind of looks at it in a foreboding way. Well, I think probably because it was supposed to be just a, an egg to eat, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. And it was all it looked like it was malformed or something. Mm. And so then I was wondering, do you think that this family is cursed? Like, there's a whole bunch of things that happen. I mean, they're losing kids left and right as the movie continues. But also, like, there's a point where their crops are ruined, the eggs are fucked up, the goats are fucked up too, and their milk isn't right, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Do you think that there's some kind of kind of evil or, or dark cloud over the family for some reason? Or do you think it's just kind of like a string of bad luck or I think what? It's, I think, and for no good reason, but I think it's a string of bad luck. And then a witch comes along and makes it worse. Capitalizes, basically. Yeah. Well, and and then, so it's like some things that would have been like, well, yeah, our crop yield is bad this year. Yeah. Like our, you know, our goats aren't as healthy as they should be. We had a bad batch of eggs. But it's like, that seems like normal 1600 stuff to me. Yeah. And then the witch just comes along and makes it worse. That makes sense. I, I yeah, I think I would agree with that in context. Um, we, we also see, so while Thomason, again, is working the farm, we see Jonas and Mercy, the twins. How how old would you guess they are? Five, four? Yeah, five. Yeah, like maybe even a little younger, eh? And they they, they look tiny. Yes, but maybe that's just because their clothes are big and bulky. <laughs> yeah, they have these big, like flowing kind of yeah, robes. They're so cute. They look they look like peanuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They almost look like real cabbage patch dolls. Like, yeah, they are <laughs> so cute. And they're the only ones with like light in their heart. Yeah. They're running around laughing like yeah. everybody else is just like brooding and, and feeling terrible all day. And Jonas and Mercy are like running around singing songs they made up about Black Philip, their goat. Black Philip, Black Philip, <laughs> something, something, something. Yeah. Black Philip, Black Philip, Crocker's out his head. But I, I just thought they were so funny. It was such a juxtaposition to see them, even though they're the brattiest yeah. kids that you're going to see in any horror movie anytime. And like going to hate them later, but I, <laughs> yeah. I do think that they're pretty fun. And I love saying Messi in the Mercy. accent. 
I actually love the name Mercy, and I never would have thought that I would, but I like it on her. Well, and yeah. I think she's got so much spunk. She's so cute. I she's love got Mercy. Big time. <laughs> she does have, she's got 1600 Moxie. <laughs> yeah. Man, she's so cute. So they're just running around having, you know, a great time on the farm, and everyone else is just kind of suffering and grumpy for a good reason. What season do you think it is? Do you think it's like November? Oh, good question, because it's in New England, so they would get a full four seasons of weather, right? Yep. Yeah, it didn't look warm, and if I'm picturing it, I feel like the trees weren't very well No, I don't think that, I think that there were pine trees, so there was green, but I think that the uh, deciduous trees did not have leaves. Not to mention, you do harvest corn getting on into the fall, right? In the fall, yeah. Yeah, that's probably, you're probably right. So they are also probably preparing for winter. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That's why he had such a big supply of wood. That's one of the reasons. And he's so good at dropping it. Yeah. Dad having to wrestle a goat into a pen and he falls down trying to do it. And the, the twins die laughing. At it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the twins are getting away with so much. Right. And then, like you said, Thomason's trying to do everything she can to help around the farm and she still gets shit on. So it's like, geez. So do you think that they're trying to spin a little like sexualized aspect between Thomason and her dad. Did you get that vibe at any point? Um, so he falls, he gets muddy. Mom says, go, go take his clothes and launder them at the brook. Yeah. She has to like untie his shirt and pull it off him. I'm not sure. I don't really think I saw the dad leaning into anything like that. Did you? I just felt like they put Thomason in uh, kind of a wifely position with her dad a few times. Like That's true. I like would that. agree with that. And later she's like dabbing at his wounds and stuff. And it yeah. just seemed a bit weird. But I don't want to spin it that I didn't. I agree. I don't think that he was being creepy. And I don't want to spin it that he's um, has like ill intentions towards sure. her or anything. Or that his affection that he expresses towards her. Because he does yep. in this movie. I don't want to spin it in any way that it was like unseemly. But I, but think I it's, felt um, like it was a bit weird at times. Yeah, I did too. I was a little uncomfortable watching the yeah. scene where she slowly undresses him and not down to being naked, but she takes his clothes off and then takes them to the brook to wash them, right? And it was a little like, it just like the camera lingered on it. It was yeah. slow. It made me a little bit like creepy feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's funny because like, so dad gets hit by a goat. He falls down. He gets all dirty. The twins think it's fucking hysterical. And then, Mer- and then Thomason gets in trouble for not controlling the twins. Yeah. And it's like, no one can control these twins. They're friggin' yeah. force of nature, right? So I told them, I bade them come, and they didn't listen to me they or don't, whatever. They pay me no mind. And they pay me no mind. <laughs> and they're like, shut up, Thomason. Mm-hmm. Just control the damn yeah. twins. And, and Mercy and Jonas are like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Jenna was giving the middle finger silently. It works so much better as a silent middle finger Oh, it's way better because it's so else. sneaky. Mercy and Jonas are like, fuck you, Thomason. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> so, yeah, Thomason just getting in trouble left and right all the time. Plus, like, she has the albatross on her neck of the whole family thinking she lost this baby. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't recover from that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's just where she's at. So I think this movie just shows us a really good example, although it's a bit fantastical, obviously, of, like, a scapegoating type family dynamic mm-hmm. where Thomason is the scapegoat of this family mm-hmm. and everyone has anxieties. Everyone has pressures. Everyone has things that they're finding difficult to deal with. And it has an outlet of just routing it towards Thomason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is so unfair. Well, we go pretty closely then to she's washing his clothes down at the brook. 
Yeah. And again, Caleb is looking at her and she basically, and then she shoves, like splashes water at him. Yeah, he, Caleb goes over there yeah. and, and joins her at the brook, right? And then he reacts badly and she's basically like, what's your problem? And then she says, come here. And she gives him a little snuggle. Yeah, that was kind of cute, eh? Yeah. Because like they've got to be separated by only a few years. But she's got got like a playful relationship with Caleb. And then she babies him a little bit, with like mothers him a bit, which I also thought was sweet. Yeah. And then Jonas and Mercy come. Oh, Mercy. And, and Mercy goes, <laughs> I'd be the witch of the wood. And she says something about her, like says something else and then goes, clickety-clackety. I'd be not Mercy. I'd be the witch of the wood. And I have come to steal you. Hear me stick a fly in through the trees. Clickety-clackety. It's my favorite part. It's my favorite part too. That's what I'm making. This little actress is so funny. And she's like, she's like hopping around in on circles. Like, like, on <laughs> like a broom, I think. Yeah, be the witch of the wood. And then, you know, Thomason gives her grief, tells yeah. her to stop all this stuff. And then and tries then, to scare her. Well, and then, um, Mercy hits a bit of a sore spot because she's like, well, well it's because mom hates you to Thomason, which is like, A, it's true. Mm-hmm. B, Thomason is really feeling that at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And so then Thomason kind of uh, gets mad at her. And also, Mercy is just being such a punk. <laughs> she's not listening to Thomason. And she's like, well, Black Philip, who is a goat <laughs> that is at their farm, Black Philip talks to me. He says I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, and I have a note here. The dialogue is so cool. Every second word is non-English in terms of current English, mm-hmm. right? But you can it's understand. Antiquated, yeah. Yeah, you can understand it so well. It's amazing. And then Thomason tells her like a seriously wicked story. And then, yeah, and then Thomason's like, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spook her and says yeah. that yeah. I'm the witch of the wood. Yeah, she basically says, you know, I'm the witch of the wood. and I took the baby and I did all this bad stuff to try to scare Mercy. She jumps on her and she really scares her, says she's going to, you know, kill her and all this stuff, right? Which you're like, yeah, I understand why she did that. Right? And then and then Caleb says, you shouldn't have done that. And Boy, was he correct. Yes, boy, was he right. And uh, Thompson kind of laughs it off, thinking like, well, the twins had it coming. Yeah, I mean, they did. And they did. Can you imagine, like, hating your sibling as much as they seem to hate each other? No. <laughs> no, because like, I never yeah, felt yeah, that. I can totally oh, understand. easily. I don't have to imagine. <laughs> but, like, I've definitely felt animosity towards both of my siblings, like, growing up. All siblings do. You know, obviously. But I definitely never felt like, I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I'm going to pretend that I killed my brother and then I'm going to tell her I'm going to kill her to scare her. (laughs) Do you remember when, well, I mean, maybe it was more me and um, our younger brother because we were closer in age. But I remember there were times that we'd be fighting with each other and mom would just look so crestfallen as if like, oh, my children, my children are fighting and they hate each other and, Mm -hmm. and woe is me. And then my younger brother and I would like look at each other and be like, What's mom's problem? Like, we're fine. Like, you know, I just felt like it was very much acknowledged that, yeah, you could be arguing, but you're still all good. Yeah, and I think that's a bit of a classic. You know what I mean? But we wouldn't have made it very long in the family that is in The Witch. (laughs) It would have been, like, shock to our system. (laughs) So one of the scenes that happens, too, they're all kind of gathering to eat at their hut. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a pretty big house. It's got two floors. It's, like, made out of mud. 
Well. You know what I mean? I mean, hey, you're right. It was a perfectly <laughs> adequate structure. <laughs> I thought you were saying, I mean, hey, it's made out of hay. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, it is a perfectly adequate shelter that William made. I mean, hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There yeah. you go. Thank you. Thank you. But one thing that happens is the family had this silver cup that belonged to the mom that the used dad. to be the father's, yeah. right? Yep. That used to her be dad. her father's, pardon me. And it just like, it goes to show the poverty, the abject poverty that people were in that were like, our family, Has we a own cup. a silver cup and we cherish it like crazy. You know, obviously it was an heirloom, so anyone could do that, but it held a lot of material worth as and well. They had like maybe two sets of clothes each. Yeah. Like their beds and a cup. Two sets of clothes each that they probably made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is wild to think that way. And anyway, the silver cup is gone. Mom immediately starts to suspect that Thomason did yep. something with it. The dad actually sold it to get the family some money. It was, it was, he felt it was crucial to the family's survival anyway to sell this cup, right? He had told Caleb, keep this a secret. Don't tell your mother. So then the mom, Kate, Catherine, is grilling Thomason about it. And dad doesn't say a word about it. He's a fucking worm. Yeah. You know, know what I'm saying? I was like, oh my God. It was so sad to like, watch. Mostly I have good feelings towards the dad because I feel like he is softer on Thomason. He seems to try to be understanding of everyone. Mm -hmm. He's not like mean or aggressive. I mean, until the end where everything goes crazy. Yeah, and everyone's kind of in that mood by then. But yeah, that, what a, yeah, snivelly, worming, wormy little thing to do. I know, I was like, Geez. And can you imagine doing that to your kid? No, it was your, disgusting. your child under the bus? It was something a kid would do to an adult, not vice versa, you hope. Or a kid right? would do to another kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was really terrible to watch. Um, they gather around, bad vibes across the whole family. They gather around for this candlelit, terrible dinner of flatbread hmm. and just kind of sit there. Everyone's vitriolic. There's so much kind of anger and, and grief going on in the family. It's just hard to watch. And you hear Black Phillip bleeding in the background when the mm -hmm. family's having this really tense moment too, which then gets Thomason in trouble again because she didn't bed down the goats before dinner. What did you think when she goes to bed down the goats, which is like put them away in their pen. Mm -hmm. They have a pretty nice pen. Um, what's the significance of the rabbit or the hare? Like there's a rabbit sitting right there. Um, Caleb and his dad, William, saw it in the woods. William tried to shoot it and hurt himself. And then when she goes to put the goats away, the hare's sitting right there looking at her. Um, witches famously have familiars. Mm -hmm. have animal sidekicks, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that used to be something that like would be used in witch trials. They they would say like, oh wow, oh you've got it. You like that this person has a familiar. Like they have like an animal or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like maybe that's it. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. It would make a lot of sense if, henchmen. like, yeah, if, like, the witch was kind of using it as a spy at certain times. And it fucks up the dad, too, because it's like he hurts his eye when he tries to shoot it. Yeah. Maybe yep. they're just causing mischief on her behalf, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where William is talking to Catherine, and he's trying to basically snap her out of it in terms of her grief about oh, the I'm, missing Samuel, maybe right? Maybe you're about to mention something that really stuck out to me. So what stuck out to you in this scene? Well, what he tells her is, thou doth look too much on this affliction. And he says, God's never taken a child from us before. Uh, we've, been, we've been ungrateful of God's love. And I was like, 
Ooh, man. Yeah, like, yeah, don't be so sad. He's, it's only one of our children yeah, that's died. Talk about what about is a May. He's like, well, at least we have some other kids. I know. I was like, what a despicable, disgusting thing to say to a mom whose baby oh. is gone. <laughs> I know. And, and maybe there was an element to this thinking at the time. Like it was common, I suppose, to lose children to illness yeah. or what have you. But you know what? He's being nasty in this whole interaction. And I mean, definitely like couched in. He's being gentle enough. But then he also kind of tries to. And she says, like, don't chide me for vanity because you know that that's not it because she says where's my cut where's my dad's ah, silver cup true, true. and he says like oh what do we need a silver cup for and acts like yeah. oh you're so vain what a yeah. luxury to have yeah, Catherine right. and it's like hey, give me a fucking break man yeah exactly and and you know William continues to dig himself this hole with the audience with us anyway we're being humbled so God can show us more of his grace it's like, thanks, God. Yeah, thanks I can't for wait to see what, what the killing grace my, is. Killing my baby, yeah. Oh, you know what? I was riding, you're right, I was riding high. I was out here trying to survive with my family. Our corn was all fucked up. We have no friends. <laughs> but you're right, I was a little too cocksure. I was feel, feeling very cocky. Thank you for knocking me down. Yeah, yeah, I was, thank you for knocking me down a peg. It's what I needed. Do you ever think... That if you were like living before modern medicine, do you ever think um, about what may have killed you already in your life? Oh, well, I had meningitis. Yeah, that, that probably would have killed, killed you. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you were like 17? Yeah, I would have lived to the ripe age of 17. I don't think I had anything too bad, but giving birth would have killed me, I think. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, so anyway, like this, this is where William really just had me fed up. It was already I bad know. enough that he's, he's got just, everyone um, feeling terrible with this dogma stuff. He's but, like spineless. Well, that's true. And I think he eventually realizes it, but maybe not yet, that he has like big hubris problems. You know what I mean? Oh, he says he's prideful, yeah. Eventually, he really, mm -hmm. I think it, it hits home, but like he holds everyone else to a pretty high standard. Then but not he, himself. He's yeah. willing to like circumvent be, being in trouble with somebody or anything like that by by being you know duplicitous yeah, I right? think that he thinks that there's justification for his actions but he's just maybe like so short-sighted that he can't yes, uh, yes. imagine that other people have just as legitimate reasons as him good point I don't think it's necessarily as sinister as it could seem I think he's just he just doesn't see he doesn't have perspective no I don't think of him as sinister either and do you know what um occurs to me with the mom later but and I guess maybe with him a bit too is just like the internalized misogyny of the era so he thinks True. probably like I am the man of the house yeah so I can make these decisions and I can take these moral shortcuts knowing it's morally justified and okay because of who I am and my position right and um I think that the mom has such a negative feeling towards Thomason rather than anyone else, mm -hmm. because she thinks, well, she's, like, womanly now. Yeah. Which is inherently sinful, like, to have uh, your period and start developing breasts and whatever yeah, yeah. as an adolescent woman. And so that's, like, why she's going to dislike her first and most, you know, rather than her other kids. You're right. And on that note, one of the things she tells William when they're having this talk is Thomason uh, hath mm. begot the sign of her womanhood, mm -hmm. right? Meaning the breasts, the period, what have you. 
and she suggests that Thomason has to go serve another family. Mm-hmm. And she tells William Sam's in hell and mm. all this stuff. So she's saying we need to basically sell Thomason to a family in town. Mm-hmm. She's saying my baby's in hell. All the kids are in the other room and they think they're sleeping because they called out to them mm-hmm. before they said all this stuff. No one said a word. Yeah. They're Thomason, all Caleb, are you a bed? Yeah, yeah. But they're all wide eyed, even the twins listening to everything that's mm-hmm. being said, right? So it's like Thomason feels like her family has no loyalty to her, probably especially mom. Mm-hmm. They're like, now they just want to get rid of me. So unfortunately, the kids hear all this kind of negative stuff coming from their parents about their own family. So they're going to take Thomason to town to see if anyone can make use of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Caleb and Thomason in particular are really horrified. Caleb, is he set off that night? I think they set off that night um, because I think he's more or less trying to stop the mom's plan. He's trying. So Caleb is up in the middle of the night. He's he's getting the horse and he's going to go to town. I don't know what he's planning to do, but he's planning to stop it from being necessary for Thomason to be was given he going to, to another town? family. Is that what it was? That's what I thought. I thought maybe he was going to the woods to try to kill the witch, thinking that the witch was the problem. But may- maybe I just thought everything was related to the witch and it wasn't. Well, maybe. But he does, so Thomason catches him, says, where are you going? What are you doing? And she forces him to let her come along, right? So he's walking the horse and Thomason's riding the horse and they're going right into the woods. It was really interesting. I think Thomason and Caleb have a nice relationship, right? Yeah, me too. But Thomason is talking to him basically about how great England was Mm -hmm. and how they had glass windows, Mm-hmm. and how the dog would lay in the sunspot and warm up when the sun would shine through the glass. And even that the dog jumped on the table and the dad said, we'll have him for meat and like mm-hmm. was kind of joking around. And you're like, I can't even picture William doing that. Like mm-hmm. nothing even close to that at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were kind of reminiscing about the good times. Do you think that there was a time where he, where William wasn't as radical? Did you get that impression? I I don't know about that. Or maybe I, I just kind of um, was under the impression that things were better so they could all loosen up. Yeah. And I don't mean radical in the like a yeah. radical sense. I mean radical as in I would consider him to be radicalized, mm. even though it's probably not really a term that would be so useful in the, in that era, but still. So I just thought it was it was like nice, but it was sad to see them kind of talking that way. Caleb says he like doesn't even remember this stuff. Yeah, you know, like, so. he says, I don't remember the glass. Yeah, he remembers like little bits and pieces of mm-hmm. England, maybe. And maybe it's, like, I, I got a, uh, an idea maybe that he doesn't care potentially as much about the finer things as Thomason does. So right. she remembers the glass and how nice it was. And Some he's of the like, creature comforts. Yeah, and he's like, well, I remember like the interactions. I don't remember the, the glass. That's a good point. Yeah. And maybe he's just more pragmatic in some and ways. And I mean, he's also younger. So also maybe yeah. his... Memory is just not as clear, but I did think there was maybe a hint of that. Yeah. She has a taste for the finer things whenever she, she gets oh, them. Geez, I mean, which is not very often. And, and finer things is on quite a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's like, that's not inherent. I mean, they probably thought so, but that's not inherently something to be ashamed of. To- not according to me. No, me either. No, I agree. I mean, you know, there's obviously ways it can go wrong, but there's ways everything can go wrong. You know what I mean? So it's like if I'm a, a food guy and I like, I want to prepare a really nice meal with like some really quality ingredients or something like, I can see that. I, that's perfectly understandable. 
right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, yeah, she really appreciated having glass windows. It probably (laughs) helped keep the heat in. You know what I'm saying? Um, Again, we see the rabbit. The rabbit gets Fowler, the dog, to chase it. And then Caleb goes after Fowler really quickly, leaving Thomason with the horse. And eventually the horse tries to run and it knocks Thomason off and she basically gets kind of knocked unconscious. And the horse is gone. And the horse runs off, exactly. And then it's not too far, it's not too long, Caleb's chasing Fowler. All of a sudden he hears Fowler cry out. He hears it, yeah. And it's like a really quick cut to Fowler. He's like eviscerated, He's right? Eviscerated, but still breathing. Yeah, panting, breathing really like that was tragic. That was really hard to watch. So was that did you think that that was like a supernatural kind of intervention that killed Fowler or did he just hurt himself? Um, I think that it's fair to assume that anything bad that happens in the woods I think is, you're right. is the witch. Especially with the again, the hare mm-hmm. is the one who started it all, right? So the rabbit shows up, it's like, hey, Come chase me, dog. And it does, right? Separates the party, separates Caleb from Thomason, loses the horse, all this awful, awful stuff. And right. And then poor Caleb is stranded alone, terrified. The woods are dark, right? He's doing a sing-songy kind of prayer. Yeah, it's, it's just really awful. And then doesn't he pretty much here stumble upon the witch? Yeah. Exactly. So that's when he stumbles upon, like you say, kind of a little hut and um, a beautiful, gorgeous woman comes out. And I was going to say, doesn't she just look like a fairy tale image of a beautiful woman? Like, I I love the look. 100%. Because she does not look like a modern Hollywood beauty. Mm -hmm. She looks like you would imagine a princess described in a really old, like, fairy tale book or something. She's just got this like beautiful, thick raven hair and yes. this like, you know, very busty all pushed up in her uh, corset there. Yes, she's got the corset boobs she, like out of control. And she looks right? just gorgeous. You know, Caleb continues to go up to the hut. He is basically, mm. you know, seduced by this beautiful woman. Um, he walks up to her. I think he's crying. Like, he's very scared still. Mm, yeah. And she ends up... How old up, do you think he's supposed to be? Caleb? Maybe like 11? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, I think. And then Caleb ends up kissing her. And as that's happening, you see this really gross... Old, like, old person hand. Well, it's like, it's like dirty and creepy mm. and the nails are disgusting. And it's an old person arm reach around the back of his head. So, you know, it's like an old crone disguising mm. herself as a, as a beautiful young woman. And right? the, the idea of a beautiful young woman make out kissing with like what looks like such a little boy is true. gross to begin with. Um, and how That's old do you think, do you think Thompson's supposed to be like 15? Yeah, I would, I would imagine she's supposed to be like somewhere between 14 and 16. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, I think that's especially fair. if they're like, well, she's she's showing signs of womanhood yeah. now. Yeah. She's probably yeah, like closer to fourteen or fifteen. It right? did happen later back then compared to uh, now. Okay. Um, whereas now with like modern diet, it does happen a lot earlier mm-hmm. than it used to. Yeah. And we also see a scene where Thomason's waking in the woods and running up to her family, calling for Caleb and stuff, and. People are asking her, where is thy brother? It's like, man, you lost two brothers. Yeah, exactly. And and we had seen 
some of the scenes from when the family was awake and were looking for them. And what I was noticing, so many calls out for Caleb and less calls out for Thomason. And I was like, oh, I hate it so much. And do you think that that's just a sign of the times? Like the boy Ooh, more valuable is more valuable than the girl? They could they could less conceive of like losing basically the next man of the house or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a great question. Good question. Um, yeah, so like the dad is storming off trying to find Caleb. I had seen some notes online though that unless dad is with somebody else, he never actually goes into the woods properly. And so he like, won't go by himself. Is he kind of scared to go in the woods too? It's like he's this big... Even like with his little son being like one of the people that he goes <laughs> Could you in imagine? with. Yeah. Be like, well, at least I got someone with me. Oh my God. Maybe it's just he's being pragmatic, the buddy system. Maybe. Maybe it's like there he, maybe he's giving it some thought, right? Yeah, like, oh buddy system, I'll get out. <laughs> It'll get Caleb, whatever it is. Right? Yeah, I can run faster than Caleb. <laughs> Some some more just like poor Thomason. Like you can see things crumbling around her because mm. now they both went in and she came out and Caleb didn't, right? They're like, what's wrong with you, Thomason? And mm-hmm. they're so mad at her. She won't tell them why they were in the woods. Because she promised Caleb. She Yeah, exactly. She swore to Caleb that she wouldn't. And then also, went, so the mother's furious with Thomason. She's a scary... She can be a scary actress, this person. 100%. She was in Game of Thrones too, correct? Yes. And, and what a hateful scary, character too. Oh, she was the worst. And I feel like having seen Game of Thrones after The Witch, it colored, made me even more scared of the mom. You know what I mean? She was terrifying. And she's grilling Thomas and she's in her face. And that's when this fucking dad finally speaks up and he's like, it was I who sold the cup. Or I yeah, took the cup. Too late. She already hates Thomas and... And it doesn't, it, and that should be like a turning point, but it's not. The mom's no. too far gone. It's not, it's beyond reason at that point. That's true. It, it, dad doesn't get the, the bollocking that he rightly deserves for not just the cup, but for lying about for lying. it by omission and letting his 14 year old daughter get raked over the coals for it. Like it's gross. Yeah. And I mean, Kate does give him a hard time, yeah. but she doesn't give any kind of apology to Thomason. So she does give him a hard time for lying Fair and for, for this and that, but it no, does no good to Thomason at all. Yeah, and, and mom, you know, she she slaps William, all this stuff, but... And then and then she seems like, to me, I, I felt like in her performance, horrified at herself for slapping him because that's when she, like, collapses and he picks her up. And she does say she's desperately scared to lose William, too. Mm-hmm. And I could see that. Oh, what would you do? You'd feel like, okay, well, then we're all going to die. Yeah, and we're going to die, die in a nasty, bad way. I'd go the hell back to the village and yeah, be like, sorry yeah, about my staunch religious husband. We could loosen up a bit if it means living in this settlement. Yeah, yeah, yeah we could get down with your... Yeah, I think we could get down with your ways. Your hippie ways. <laughs> hey, pass me some of that grog. Yeah, I'll like, drink uh, it. Uh, dig that crazy rhythm of, <laughs> of, of the, the Puritan village. That the bard doth play in the tavern. Uh, you know, that was a Prince Charles quote. <laughs> Dig that crazy rhythm. <laughs> what? Another fact? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's this, like, horrible video of him being shown, like, <laughs> modern music by someone. And he goes, ah, oh, dig that crazy rhythm. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yikes. Oh. He's, he's just trying to be, like, one of the people. How awful. Yes. Hello, fellow commoners. Yeah, exactly. Tis I, hello, hello fellow kids. Yeah. <laughs> Tis I, you're a king. <laughs> oh, how awful. I think he's lost touch with the common with the common folk. 
So yeah, dad, dad's kind of groveling, asking for Kate and Thomason to forgive him. Bad Oof. chance, yep. buddy. Yeah. And then again, you know, Thomason speaks up. She's like, oh, mom, I'll help you out. I'll go bed down the goats. Like they're not, they're not mm-hmm. in bed yet. I'll, I'll go do it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? No, but she does come. She says, come here. And she gives her a kiss. Do you think that that's her trying? Maybe. It's a sad thought, but yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. She goes out to find these goats, but what she does find is a naked Caleb mm-hmm. kind of leaning up against the fence. Do you think he more or less got placed there? Or do you think he walked there under his own power or that he got dropped off? Because he's never upright again. No, he basically collapses. He falls down against the fence and then never stands again. Yeah, that's a great question. I imagine they basically propped him up and, like got, a and helped him to get there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, do you think there's any significance to him being naked? It's just creepier, or what do you think? I, I think it's creepier, and I wonder if it's, like, just a back to nature. The witches are all about shedding their clothes. Yeah, I think that there's, like, a, a little bit of a tie-in between, like, um, the natural world mm-hmm. and witches. So it's like... That's true. They're out, they live in the woods. They don't wear clothes. Yeah. They... They live. They live in harmony with nature, more or less. And but to these li- little Puritan family, um, nature is a hostile thing. They want to control mm-hmm. nature and farm, and you know, carve out space for their home. And they're wary of the woods. I think that basically they live in disharmony with nature. Yeah, and that's a good the point. witches live in harmony with it. Well, and they and even and things as part like- of it. Yeah, and even things like the Wicker Man, it's like nudity and things like that would also be kind of unpalatable to them, mm-hmm. right? And the witches are like, well, it's the way I was born. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? What like, of it? Exactly. They just have such a different, well, I mean, the witches are evil. That's true. But they just have such a different worldview mm-hmm. too, right? Like they could never kind of, they could never understand each other. But that being said, the witches in this movie are not like, oh, well, who's the real bad guy? Like, the witches are evil. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's like, I'm going to kill this baby so that I can be young, get young. Or appear young. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jeez. Okay, so yeah. Caleb basically, as you said, he gets like laid in a sick bed. He never recovers. And he's got like sores around his mouth. Yeah, and one thing they do, they put a bowl up to his head. And they cut his head and they bleed him. Do you have any insight as to why they would do that? Like, was there swelling or something that they wanted to relieve? Like, why would they do that? It's not clear to me why in this situation they would. Oh, okay. But like, I mean, way back in the day, Mm -hmm. um, there were all these like schools of thought that like medical practitioners would put into practice that are just like based in nothing. I don't even know how anyone ever got the idea that they were a doctor versus something else, but like. Mm-hmm, there used to mm-hmm. be this idea of like a balance of the humors and th- there's the idea that you had, what was it? You had phlegm, black bile, yellow bile, and blood. Oh. And, and that those were the four humors, uh, like the four substances that you had in your body. Okay. And that when they got out of whack, different things would happen. So if you had too much black bile, it was stuff like you were grumpy and like you were in a bad bad mood like there were all these random things and so they thought that you had to do different things to balance the humors and like one of them was so if you had too much blood mm-hmm. you'd have to be bled okay, but i yeah, mean course, i don't know if that's what what that is but um yeah it used there used to be an idea that you would have to bleed freely as medical treatment and what it would actually mm-hmm. do is just weaken and dehydrate people and open them up 
to risk two infection, Make right? Make them woozy and everything. Like, germ theory, like the mm-hmm. belief in germs is like remarkably relatively new. Yeah, in terms of human history, no kidding. Uh, like, oh, let me look it up because it, it's newer than you might even think. The theory was developed, proved, and popularized in Europe and North America between, guess what the range of years is? Okay, 1750 to 1820. 1850 and 1920. I was off by like 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. The roaring 20s? So it's like at the turn of the century, people are like, <laughs> I don't know about this germ theory, maybe. The term, the turn of last century. Yes, at the turn of last century. <laughs> Things really start to take off here. Uh, Thomason is basically looking up at William really scared. Mercy's mm. asking Black Philip why Caleb is sick. And he says that he put the devil in him. That's what Black Philip apparently tells Mercy. Mercy. And Mercy is also by this point completely convinced that Thomason is a witch. Yeah. So Thomason's like, oh, that what she did, that mean prank she pulled is really coming back to bite her. Yeah, exactly. It all comes back to just shatter everything, right? Thomason can't catch a break. She cannot. No. She has the, and again, maybe it's by divine intervention you'd call it's the opposite of divine intervention maybe it's by some kind of evil intervention that all these things are falling into place of course right she goes out to milk the goat and the goat is when she's milking it it gives blood instead and which absolutely freaks her the hell out yes exactly and at at that point wasn't mercy also asking like are you a witch yeah and and she's like and she's like no i'm not yeah mercy's kind of following her around asking her all these questions right the mom also is gravely concerned that Caleb is sick from witchcraft. She's seeing signs. She's feeling like there's evidence to say that he is. They're still talking about the plan to bring Thomas into a new family and Caleb to the town doctor. Mm-hmm. So basically that even so, William's still like, well, we can't go there empty handed. We need stuff to trade, all this stuff. So like, I think he's still even feeling prideful. He doesn't want to go into town with all these problems. And be like, yeah, I need help. Right? Be like, yeah, my whole uh, moving away to my own homestead didn't work out so good. Exactly, exactly. So, I'm down two sons already. So, yeah, it could have been that he was like, well, we need to pay for that because, you know, it's America and they have a private health care system. <laughs> but it also could have been because he was thinking, like, I can't go back like that, right? Which is just yeah, such a sad prideful. thought. I can't, yeah. I can't go back with my hat in my hand. My big wide pilgrim hat with a buckle on it. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> All this stuff is happening. Mom's confessing. She's making her own confession, as she calls it. And she says, you know, I never wanted to end up being a shrew to you. Mm. You know, and says that that's basically what she feels she's become. So the family at this point is in crisis and they think things can't keep getting worse. And it just keeps getting worse. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is all about. And I want like, so... You know, when I'm using that word crisis to just provide kind of a definition of how I might use it would be basically that a person or in this case, this family is in a challenging situation, the demands of which basically eclipse their ability Mm -hmm. to cope. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was thinking when I was watching this family. It's like they thought it was bad enough. It keeps getting worse and they're like falling apart at this point. We regularly... Um, use an admitting diagnosis of situational crisis. Ah, uh, yes. Regularly. And just to express the idea that um, maybe this person doesn't have either a new mental illness 
or even a significant exacerbation of a known mental illness. Yeah. But what they do have is a problem that outpaces the resources that they have exactly. and they need help through it. And we exactly. do that all the time. And so I think that it's important to know, uh, for people to know that that's a completely legitimate reason for an admission. Um, just as well as an exacerbation of a mental illness or a new onset mental illness. And could happen to anyone. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. And like really frequently. And sometimes it's not even something as dramatic as like a death or a serious incident or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like sometimes it's uh, a job loss or even just like multiple life stressors all just kind of happening at the same time. Yeah, and so many times it feels like when it rains, it pours. Yeah. And you get all these things happening at once. And for me, you know, I've never, I've never been in a situation where I felt that I was in a mental health crisis, luckily enough. But I have had times where like my mental capacity, I can feel it waning. Hmm. And I could feel like I don't have room in my head for hmm. one more thing. I don't have the head space. I've right? definitely said that before. I'm dealing with all this stuff. I don't have... And I I don't like all of a sudden I have 70 unread text messages and all this (laughs) stuff. Like I'm noticing all these cracks where I'm not able to apply my attention to something. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that's just a smidgen of what some people go through that eventually leads them to a crisis or something. But yeah, that's a good point you make about sometimes it's situational. It might not always be related to something chronic or related to a particular mental health diagnosis. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mom confesses as well that since Samuel was taken, she's felt her faith waning, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I, William's not happy to hear, of course. And then Caleb starts to basically have like a possession type fit, right? Yeah. He's screaming, sin, sin. He screams something as well about cutting, cut her head off with the narrow axe, mm. right? Which I think people take to mean he's speaking about Thomason, mm. who's in the room at the time, as are the twins, despite their efforts to get them out. His mouth suddenly is all sealed up and Mm. William goes and like cuts his mouth open. Well, and and she's like, oh, no, you're going to break his jaw because like they can't open his mouth. Oh, and then he coughs up a rotten apple. Yeah, coughs up a bunch of blood and a rotten apple, right? I guess like a teeny tiny little apple to be in his mouth. mouth. Mercy says uh, all the witch stuff to the parents. She's like out with it. She's like, Thomason told me, Thomason Uh, told me she was the witch of the Mm -hmm. wood. And she said she did this to Samuel. It's all the bad luck kind of culminating to one thing because you're like, no, because it's like Thomason really did say that. And we know it being like, oh, what a what a kooky misunderstanding. That's like that's like a (laughs) rom-com level misunderstanding, except it's not funny. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Like someone wrote letters to the person, but they never gave, they, they went to the wrong address or something. And then they fell out of her backpack. Right? <laughs> yeah. Except it's absolutely soul crushing to watch instead of like, oh no, a misconnection. Right. So I just, uh, everything, all the jokes become so sinister, right? Immediately. Cause you're like, wait a minute. No, it's all falling into place mm-hmm. there. You know, oh, dad won't believe it without proof. So it's like, he's not exactly in Thomason's corner, I wouldn't say. He's like, well, hang on. Like, where's the proof of that? No, but do you think it's just because he's Ugh. so faithful? And within his faith, it's very possible that she could be a witch I who was so. influenced by the devil. So I, I kind of yeah. give him, I kind of let him off the hook there. Because I yeah. feel like that's just his his makeup. I just felt for Thomason so much. Oh, like, 100%. She's got no one to back her up. Mm-hmm. She's got no one who's like, no, I know Thomason. She's not a witch. Or like, let's hear Thomason out. Yeah, yeah. Thomason exactly. said she was joking. Okay, that's enough for me. 
Exactly. And he demands that she pray for Caleb. He demands that she say some things to renounce Satan and all this stuff. And they, they do pray. Yeah. And the nasty little twins say, I cannot remember my prayer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So they're all, the family's all around Caleb ready to pray. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Mm-hmm. Right? And the twins, the twins pretend they can't remember their prayer. And then they pretend to, like, fall down dead (laughs) yeah and then they like (laughs) pretend to sleep um but that that kind of thing was like legit used as evidence in witch trials is like someone's behavior which like that that kind of thing is so scary to me is the fact that that could ever be used because it's like you could just so easily be trapped yep and as you say i mean obviously when you're thinking about issues of demonic possession or issues of of witchcraft or anything like that you can see how directly mental health and behavior play into those things mm-hmm. and as you've said in the past you've seen many things along the spectrum of potential human behavior mm-hmm. and if you didn't have context for them they might seem really scary to a person including a person who oh, lived yeah. in the 1600s and thought that someone could be uh bewitched or any of this stuff yeah. right because the thing is that like behaviors that it's possible for a person to like express they yeah they're scary because they're unsettling they yeah. can't like someone being super aggressive or someone being really bizarre yeah. because like that happens mm-hmm. so if if it was the 1600s and i thought that god was responsible for everything or the devil was responsible for everything more or less yes and i saw that then you kind of feel like that must be the explanation right like you kind of right. would have no other explanation be like, be like, well, uh, like from their perspective, be like, well, what's the most likely solution? What's yeah. the most likely cause of this, right? And unfortunately, they'd be very likely to attribute it to something like that. Yeah, and beha- like behaviors get extreme. The human condition is such an incredible spectrum of what's possible. Exactly. Most people can't even conceive of, and I'm sure I can't. I can't even conceive right. of, of you know, the entire spectrum of what humans are capable of, right? Yeah. So it's like, it, it's startling. Even even things like, well, that person would never act violently. I, yeah. I knew them. They're yeah. a good person. Uh-huh. And yeah. A, we don't always know people quite as well as we think. But B, Everyone can anyone act could act violently. You know 100%. what I mean? If, if, you, if you were in a situation like Thomason, where everything fell into the perfect wrong place... And all of a sudden you're in this situation that you can't handle. Yeah, you could act violent. It, it, violently. Everybody it could... is capable of violence. Exactly. So the twins are completely throwing Thomason under the bus, but like in a in a mortal way. In yeah, like <laughs> they're throwing her into mortal peril. It's more than just a joke, right? Um, Caleb's screaming. The twins are saying, stop, Thomason, stop, Thomason, before they then play dead. Um, he's saying, I am thine enemy. There's an amazing kind of possession scene. He's kind of talking all this religious nonsense. Well, and the like, are you talking about when he does like the kind of like sexualized, when he seems to almost get better, he stops and sits up and he looks a bit, or, or, and he looks a bit better. But when he says like, smiling and he says like, take me to thy lap. Yeah. He's like, cover me in thine kisses kisses of of thy mouth. And he's like stroking himself with his hands. And he's smiling. He looks like, yeah, it's like a sexual overtone. I was going to say, I got major sexual vibes from this whole speech. And is it almost like a, because he is, he's speaking to Jesus. Do you think it's meant to be like a mockery thing? 
Because I think or, so. or do you think he's coming back to himself in, no. in some way? It's like no. a mockery. I think it's a trick. Yeah, yeah. And then he he is. He's smiling. He's doing all that stuff. And then he lays down and he dies. But he sounds like orgasmic, ecstatic. I agree with you. I agree. And he wants to be embraced by Jesus in all these ways. Oh, and then he stops breathing. Do you, when you're watching this movie, do you feel sad? Do you feel sad for the parents? Okay. I feel sad for everyone except Mm -hmm. for the twins. Uh, (laughs) But I, you know, if I took some perspective, I'd feel bad for them too. But I feel bad for everyone who's on screen, basically. I could imagine if their children kept dying and if mm-hmm, if someone's yep. son died right in front of them the way it happens to Kate and William here that I would have been in a puddle crying of course but I get much more scary spooky vibes than sad vibes oh well like just think about we've been talking about midnight mass I cry <laughs> all the time no it wasn't potent like that in no and why is that though her jo- child died right in front of her yeah you're right I think that we have such uh, empathy for Thomason that we're by not this thinking point, about Kate. we're almost looking at Kate and William almost in a kind of villainous way or, you know, everyone but Caleb, basically. And we're just thinking about what the repercussions are going to be for Thomason. And my thought is, my thoughts are with Thomason and what's next. Exactly. And Yeah, and, thoughts and prayers for Thomason, <laughs> for yeah, sure. Jeez, don't know if it'll help at this point. And mom. <laughs> I cannot remember my thoughts and prayers. She's <laughs> oh, freaking mercy. <laughs> and then mom's screaming, get thee gone at Thomason. And she's convinced, I think, that Thomason's a witch. Mm-hmm. Like mom, mom really feels she is. She runs out and dad chases her down, which I thought, okay. I actually see until how it unfolds. I think yeah. that this is good dadding. Gives her a hug as she cries. Gives her a hug. Starts to kind of talk to her about something, a neutral topic to get them past the hump of how upset they are. And then I actually feel like, because we know how devoutly religious he is. Yeah. But, he, but to me, this is a place where he shows his love for her because he says, even if you're a witch, even if you did all this, yeah. you're my daughter. I love you. Just say, I basically just say, I'm sorry. Just repent. Yeah. And we'll be all good. Yeah, he says if you have made a bargain, then then undo, then we can undo, undo it, it, renounce it, all this stuff. You're so right. he he fully thinks she she might be a witch, very likely is a witch who yes. who killed two of his children, but he loves her enough to say just undo it and we're all good because he loves her that much. Yes, but so because she where, didn't do that, she is like I'm not I think, really hurt by that. Yes, she is. And so that's that's an unfortunate disconnect True. for me. That makes me kind of sad because up until now, I think she, she Thomason did feel like dad was more in her corner than anyone else. Probably and right. I, and I think that she was right. And here is where, to me, the dad is showing his m- love the most clearly and the most authentically, but it's the time that it hurts her the most. Yeah, you're right about that. So it's a sad disconnect here because this is where I actually feel feel the most for the dad or like maybe I'm most impressed by the dad. Yeah, and she says, why have you turned against me? Um, so she's feeling ignored, I think. Because well, she's yeah. like, you're missing the whole point. Well, like, I exactly, didn't do this stuff. Because he keeps saying, tell the truth, tell the truth. She's like, I am. Yes, exactly. And then and then he keeps doing it. And she says, fine, you want me to tell the truth? Ooh. You are a bad farmer. You're a bad hunter. The only thing you can do is chop wood. Exactly. And you're a liar. And your wife is your master. Yeah. Ooh, she just yeah. like friggin' she really tears unloads. this guy apart. He says, mind your tongue. Thomason starts to tell him, like, listen, Black Philip is the devil. Like, that's her suspicion at this point. And he talks to Mercy. Yes, and you know that he'll come as a he-goat of, of Lucifer. Apparently, that's a passage somewhere. She's trying to tell Dad this is yeah, what's like actually happening. Yeah, like right? Right, right. 
And horns. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, she's trying to tell dad that Black Phillip has poisoned the twins, basically, by speaking in their ear, by whispering to them. Mm-hmm. And dad then goes into the hut to interrogate he does, the twins. He, he drags her there. Yeah, like, it's very violent. Which is interesting because it's like he believes her here. Yeah, and I so think it's you're like, right. I, I wish that he hadn't responded that way because he actually believed what she was saying. I think he's just overwhelmed. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, at, I'm not. Le- I'm not letting you out of my sight, and yeah, we'll go talk to your twins past about breaking that. point. And then, and then I think he basically like, I think he actually kind of pulls a trick on the twins here, being like, I am going to kill them until they scream, so that he knows that they're not really sleeping. Oh yeah, that's what I thought. That <laughs> he, he calls was doing. their bluff. Yeah, I think that that's what he was doing. And Thomason at one point Cause says, because then, then little Jonas is like. Ah! <laughs> so Thomason at one point says she doesn't lie and dad says silence creature like so he still thinks that she thinks maybe evil, right? he thinks maybe but he does he picks up Jonas and he's like well if they're like this then I might as well just kill them <laughs> and I think he's like he's joking that's not the proper word but he's trying to be like oh well then I might as well just do this so that Jonas will wake up and that's what happens well yeah and that's what he says he's like I'm gonna kill him like Abraham yes yes that's right that's right oh he says he's gonna dash his brains out or something horrible like he says something super descriptive and then picks him up Yeah, it's pretty intense. And, and Jonas just like, it looks comedic because he's like being held up by like the front of his shirt and is going like, ah, into his dad's face. <laughs> oh, these kids are so cute though. I know. And it's like, damn, can they ever commit to a bit too? Yeah. Mercy's like, just not like, yet. Hold, hold. <laughs> yeah. He's okay, I can't do it, Mercy. Because Mercy never makes a beat. Mercy's like, got one eye a slit. Yeah, Mer- Mercy's like, oh, Jonas, you broke. Mercy's, they're both doing the grounder eyes, probably, where they're kind of looking through yeah. <laughs> through their eyelashes. And then he, I love that he lo- locks them all in the goat shed because he's like, I can't trust a one of you. He, bore, he boards them into the goat's pen. Uh-huh. But knowing, having been told pretty explicitly, Black Philip is the devil, he, he's got Black Philip in there as well. I know, I was that, like, was, that was a bad call. A little harsh, maybe. More and more shots of the dad again chopping wood. I think the whole point of the dad chopping wood, at one point, there is a violent scene and we see his wood pile, right? It's like five years of wood. And like, I think... No, but it's not though. Well, That's I, a winter's worth. I think the thing about it was that dad is questioning himself as a parent. He's questioning himself in terms of all the decisions he's made to get them to that point. Mm-hmm. They're all suffering. They're living in a new land and they're living outside of the new settlement of mm-hmm. a new land. All this bad stuff is happening. He, there are so many scenes of him going out to chop wood, right? And I think that he feels like the only logical next step that he can take that's going to do any good is to chop wood. Mm-hmm. He, he feels like he can't hunt. He yeah, it's something he can do competently. Yeah, he can't grow crops. Having wood, having extra wood even, is always good. They'll be warm. Yeah, so it's if something nothing I else, can do. they will be warm. Yeah, so I feel like he is feeling a little impotent, mm-hmm. and he feels like the only one thing he can do is chop wood, and he knows for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's helpful in some way, mm-hmm. you know? So th- I think that that's really um, one of the messages of him always chopping wood. Yeah. Um, but that's when he has his revelation. Call it what, you know, if, if you want to call it that. His, he's praying. He's shouting out, it's my fault, I confess yeah. it. Uh, I infected uh, my family with the filth of my pride. And um, Thomason gets to witness that, which is probably a little bit healing for her. Probably yeah. feels pretty good. 
Yeah, so I think he's realizing it was a mistake to take the family out of the town, right? Maybe mm-hmm. even out of England. You know, mm-hmm. who knows, mm-hmm. right? Dispose of me how you will, but redeem my children. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, that's a good message for them to hear. Uh, beg thee, save my children. Yeah. I beg that I have not damned my family. Obviously, William is not a person who I identify with. And I think that beyond making innocent mistakes, he was kind of not necessarily a good person, right? Mm. Obviously, he might have had some good intentions, but he did some very bad things. But I do think that what he's talking about is basically the burden of a parent, Mm. right? That you've been raising kids for X many years, and what if you did it all wrong? Mm. Like, what if you'd made a bunch of little missteps, and all of a sudden now you're here when you should have been way over here, Mm -hmm. right? But you didn't correct your course, right? So I think that that actually was read to me to be a very kind of human experience anyway, right? Because we all do our best, but we don't know if what we're doing is the right choice every time. And in fact, we might second guess ourselves all the time. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to raising kids, certain things happen over a long period of time in terms of how your kid's going to adjust, how they're going to develop and all this stuff, right? So what if I didn't do the right things when I needed to? (laughs) Um, We get some really intense horror scenes here. The set pieces are wild. Mum wakes up and has a vision of Caleb. Oh, He's talking in like a like a thaumaturgy kind of deep voice that doesn't really fit. It seems mm. kind of otherworldly, right? And mm. he's holding Samuel, right? So her two dead sons. Oh. He, he's she, saying, yeah, "Oh, I want to be with you." I, and it, it's in like the uh, the witch's um, cloak. It's in the baby. Oh. Sam's wrapped up in the red cloak. Ah, okay. And they don't have any color. But she does. Yeah, yeah. And and he's saying to her, like, we want to be with you. We want to be seeing you. We missed you. She says, I'll wake William up. He'll be so happy. Yeah. And, and he says, no, don't do not do it. Like, so he's trying to, it, it just is like uh, a dream sequence where there's like a, a devil guiding you. And yes, exactly. In the wrong direction. She she takes Samuel to breastfeed him, mm-hmm. and that's kind of in the trance state, and then it cuts to the reality, and we see her alone laughing, mm-hmm. kind of cackling, as and, a crow pecks at yeah. her bloody breast, right? So it's disgusting. disgusting. Her laughing Horrible. is like, oh, it like like makes my bones yeah. rattle. It's, it's disgusting. And I, I don't have a problem with it here, because I feel like this is... Because it's not just like, ooh, breastfeeding, isn't that weird? Yeah. It's like, no, like breastfeeding is is like a beautiful, wonderful thing between a mother and child. And here it is being perverted by the devil. Like, so here mm-hmm. I think it's used okay. But sometimes I don't like it because it's almost like, ooh, breastfeeding, isn't that gross? Like, Well, it's like the naked old person. Like horror goes back to the well on that one. Sometimes it's like, yeah, elderly people, isn't that gross? Like, I just don't like that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, But like, using natural... <laughs> perfectly healthy things to look perverted or, or uh, like scary just inherently. Yeah. Yeah. I get exactly. it. Um, but it's, it was a, it was a really scary scene. Like I hate, uh, I love, but hate that scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it's like, effective. Oh man, that's fucking gnarly. Right. Oh, and it, it's just like, this is a place where I felt, you know how I was saying like the sadness didn't feel like it crept in before, mm-hmm. but I feel like it did here just seeing her, like her two sons are back. Yeah. What what could be better than that, right? Like I fe- that's where I felt so much for her because that would be the thing that you would want more than anything else in the world. That would be like the kind of thing that you'd sell your soul for to see your kids again, you no know? No kidding, eh? 
And you know what? I, I have a note here too. Like the potent horror imagery in this movie, it feels like truly evil. Like it feels like twisted yeah. and evil and it's, bad. It's wicked. It yeah. feels like something you shouldn't be seeing. You know what I mean? And it's just really effective in that way. It's like otherworldly for sure. Something about it almost feels like true. It feels yeah, like yeah. this happened. I think it's it's down to the authenticity of mm-hmm. everything else. And then this just fits in so well. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff. Plus they built it up in a good way too. And you knew about the presence of the witch. You knew like the, the Black Phillip stuff had been simmering for a while too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's twisted and in a good way. I mean, I think it's so effective. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they show William climbing out of bed, and as he climbs over her, you can see that she is bleeding. She's, from the she's got dress. blood so down you, her shirt. It, so I feel like that's just a show. No, that happened. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. It happened. That, that wasn't a dream. That part wasn't the dream. But in the middle of the night, before he wakes up, um, the twins plus Thomason are all locked in the goat's pen, and they see a naked lady and she's crouch like, down, <laughs> and she's drinking, she's from drinking the, goat. the blood from the goat from its teat. And then she just turns around, does like a full on witch's cackle, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and yeah, just like a scary old woman that's all of a sudden in there with them drinking blood from a goat. It's like, oh, it's so good. Um, Dad comes out, you're right. He climbs over Kate. He goes out to where the pen was. The pen's like broken apart. Thomason's laying in his threshold yeah. at the door. All the goats de- are dead. Dead bodies strewn around her. And we're meant to assume... Mercy and Jonas, too. Yeah, so we don't see the twins again, right? No, and so I think that I kind of inferred that he can see that they're dead, too. But we, the audience, can't because maybe they're just making a choice to not show us little dead children Yeah. um, in this movie. Um, And imagine Thomson's like, I can explain this. I'm always getting into fixes like this. Do you think that's part of it, then, that there would be no, no conclusion to come to? Other than look, Thomason's murdered oh, the, for, all the goats and William? Mercy and oh, Jonas and too. For the mom? Yeah, yeah, I think. I think so, so it's like the devil's made sure there's no way out of it for Thomason. A hundred percent has put her in this situation, and then almost before he doesn't have a chance to say anything. That's true. William he gets doesn't say gored a thing immediately. Immediately, boom! Black Philip gores the dad, and his his horns are so twisted. It's amazing I, he was even able yeah, to stab him. Right? Yes, you're right. It looked more like he got rammed. But there was blood. But then, like, we're meant to, I guess, uh, read that as well. And what a what a wonderful casting of that goat. He's a big, He's beautiful goat with huge horns. And pure black. I don't know if they had to... He- dye his fur <laughs> Maybe or something they spray painted him. But, but he does look he looks, looks so fucking cool, cool. and Black i heard Phillip that he is was... one of the coolest parts of this whole movie yes that's why he's on the cover and exactly. i heard that he was actually very difficult to deal with like as an animal in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah that he was a bit of a nuisance right mm. and the second blow is not a goring it's like a, a battering right of... into his pile of wood and he nails him into this pile of wood that then falls on dad i think we're meant to think that he gets crushed under his, his, own, own, his own, like, incompetence. Yeah, God help us all if that happens to us, right? It's like the worst nightmare for that dad. Mom comes out. She sees that Thomason's kind of perched over dad who's dead. And she, she, takes, in, she takes in the scene around exactly, her. Dad's exactly. Dad's dead. My kids are dead. The goats are dead. Jeez. You bitch. Everyone's dead but Thomason and yeah. me. Yeah. And she, she, like, attacks her. And she says, you've got their blood on your hands. Yes. And interestingly enough, one of the things that she like levels against Thomason 
is saying she was trying to bewitch Caleb and the dad, and the dad. with her like womanly wiles. Yeah. And this is where I was like, that's that internalized misogyny here. She thinks that right. just just by virtue of being like an attractive young woman yeah. is inherently by itself like that you're some kind of putting intention behind it. Like you're intentionally tempting people. Or you're treacherous. In, or... Yeah, into lust. Yeah. Just by existing. And that you instead bear of having more responsibility, any ex- and instead parent. of having any expectation of the people who, yeah, exactly, you know, are are like leering at you or yeah. any of this stuff, that you, right? an adolescent girl, you bear more Ugh. responsibility than your adult father does. Yeah, yeah, which is just, and it's just twisting the knife because that's not the only reason she's upset with her at this point. She thinks she just killed her whole family. Yeah, but also <laughs> you're a slut. But she's like, by the way, what's up with this slutty behavior? So yeah, Catherine attacks Thomason. She jumps on top of her. Even as she's smacking Thomason about the face, Thomason is like, I love you, I love you. Yeah, she's, uh, that's it's what I was going to so comment on too. Terrible. She says, I love you, I love you, yeah. All these things, and this is, a, again, such an extreme example, but it's the scapegoated child, right, who's just trying to connect with her family mm-hmm. and is doing her best, but for some reason is always getting the brunt of everyone's unhappiness, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, again, extreme example, everyone's dead. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not so relatable in that way. Um, mom starts to choke Thomason, which is finally what it takes for Thomason to bash her to in the head with a rock and do oh, it no, multiple it's times. It's a knife. Oh, she grabs a knife and she cuts the mom in the, in the face. Yes. Yes. And yes. then they both pause being like, Whoa, what just happened? And then the mom's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yes. And then she chops her in the head till she's oh, dead. Jeez. I didn't even realize it was, a I knife. don't know where the knife came from, why it was outside, but. Okay, so really intense performance from both Kate Dickey, who plays Catherine, and from Anya Taylor-Joy as well, as they're playing out this scene where they're attacking and trying to kill each other, mother and daughter. Like, it's wild. Can you imagine your dedication to your craft as, like, the, you know, 40-year-old woman that's like, okay, get on top of this 18-year-old and act like you're trying to kill her. Yeah, and, you know, and what tell part her she you tries like, to seduce uh, your do husband. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, I'm so sorry, Anya. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, just like, I, I just thought, like, holy shit, right? After killing her mom, everybody's dead. She lays under her mother for quite a while, mm-hmm. right? And just not moving. And then I thought about when she goes into the house and takes off her, I just thought she gets comfy. Yeah. It's the first thing she does. She takes off her tight clothes and puts on a blanket. Yeah, and just lays on the table. And I think, like, some time passes. I wanted to ask you, like, why do you think... Thomason, even before stuff got really intense, why do you think she seems to be the person who was like the scapegoat of this family? Do you have any ideas about that? Like why everyone seemed to point their negativity, except for Caleb, and less so William, but towards her? I kind of think it's just because she's a woman. And a birth order thing, like she's the eldest, she's a girl. I think if she were the eldest boy, I don't think it would have happened. Right. She would have commanded some more respect, maybe. I think that she's old, so they think you should have this responsibility, but she doesn't get any of the, like, gravitas that comes with that. Right. So it's like, you should be responsible to care for these things. But know your place, too. And Yeah, I don't know. I agree, and I think also part of the way that can sometimes manifest, too, is people making mistakes, right, that the family, for some reason, can't let them live down. And Mm. they did attribute the loss of the baby to her, Mm -hmm. and... Even though it's not correct that they did that, it's understandable how they got there. 
right? So I think that once that happened, which happens within the first five minutes mm-hmm. of the movie, so we don't see she any could not before. recover from that. Yeah. There was there was no coming back from that, right? Yeah. And then I think this is so cool because at this point, Thomason is about the most vulnerable person in the world hmm. by this point for Black Phillip then to ask. She she goes in, she starts talking, she demands that Black Phillip talk to her. Yeah. And he says, well, what do you want? And I think that this is like perfectly, I, I've heard people say like, oh, was she a witch the whole time and she made everything happen? That's not my read on it at all. No. I, I think no fucking way. Right. She doesn't even know how to talk to Black Phillip. She's like, Talk to me like the way you talk to my brother and sister. Do you understand my English? True, and they're alone. She doesn't even know how. She just decided I'm going to try because that's what Mercy and um, Jonah said, and maybe there's something to it. And then, and then, yeah, he says like the things that he offers her are just, butter. Yeah, taste of butter. The taste of butter and nice clothes. Yeah, and just to be like to be comfortable and and we get the have like, some pleasures and we get the all timeline. Of wouldst thou like to live Lived deliciously? And what do you think of the so like cool. the whispering ASMR? Oh, I love it. The, Me too. The deep affected voice. And it sounds voice. like beautiful. It's like pitched down. It sounds amazing. What dost thou want? What canst thou give? Wouldst thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes. It sounds tempting. I don't know how they <laughs> des- they decided to go this exact direction, mm. but I think there's a million different ways they could have gone, and I think they went exactly perfect because it sounds Slam like dunk. it sounds like sexy and like tasty and smooth and it's beautiful. The, it's the James Earl Jones effect. It, they could not have done a better job. You're yeah. right. It's like one of the my favorite parts of the whole movie, and it certainly stuck with it's me. It's so impactful. And I'd like to ask you here, what do you think of the little bit of the human form devil that we see? Oh. His spurred boots walking across in yeah, front of the book. right. And then he oh, like walks around Oh, when he's trying to get her to sign her. her name, and he needs to guide her hand. What do you think of his look? Yeah, I found that actually a really interesting choice. What did you think? I looked at him more closely because I don't even know if I really took him in before because he's very much in shadow. Yeah, I don't think it it stuck with me too much. He's got like a dangly earring and he's got like a big hat on. Oh, I did not pick up on that. He's got these spurred (laughs) boots that walk across. He looks like a he looks. He looks like a pirate. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what a cool look. Must have missed that somehow. Well, he's he. It sounds weird, but he's like hard to see. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what was sad, too? She's like, I don't know how to write she my says, name. She says, I can't write my name. And yeah. he, he says, well, I'll guide your hand. It's more about the spirit of it, Thomason. You know what I mean? But you know what else? I, I thought, like, just to kind of do some unpacking here, I thought there would be some good parallels to draw between, like, drug addiction. You know, that sometimes when some people are, when when they're dealing with situations that can be so difficult um, and they're vulnerable... Mm. You can see how they could so easily slide into something like drug addiction where Mm -hmm. things like the high or the numbing effect that might come with drugs are what they're after. And then the addictions, you know, take root. And Mm. there's so many complicated factors with that. But you could see how someone who was so broken down as Thomason was could easily slide into 
that sort of thing. And it's almost like he's promising to make her feel good. He's promising to give her good things and happiness and all these things. And I almost wondered if we could kind of draw a parallel. It almost makes me think of um, the youngest son from Hill House. Mm. right that Mm -hmm. all the kids dealt with having that trauma of living in the ghost house in different Mm -hmm. ways and he sunk way deep into addiction and i think even when he was using drugs like the ghosts were less likely to come to him and things like that Mm -hmm. so that was what it was making me think of and also what you might hear about people like entering a gang right oh that they're living in a destitute area they don't have connection to community they don't have connection sometimes to family and they say we'll keep you safe yeah and they feel a draw and they feel a pull from the gang even though there's so many negative aspects to being involved with Mm -hmm. a gang too but they're they develop a sense of community basically at any cost Mm -hmm. right yeah and like we talk about um vulnerability all the time Mm -hmm. in my profession especially when we're discharge planning for different patients, talk about different considerations about how vulnerable they are to different things, how that might kind of affect uh, getting them the treatment that they need. Um, And we also talk about it on the unit in terms of people interacting uh, with other people, like Mm -hmm. um, maybe someone with trauma. Uh, We don't want to be... Uh, like room that with someone who we know has just like a vulgar vocabulary and likes to make dirty jokes could be even, triggering for example like so sometimes it's something as simple as that but we think like oh you know actually this person is highly anxious and this person is really loud like yeah. we we think about that all the time and so yeah like it's such a wild conclusion to this movie Love it. I love she, that it's so frank. It's like, yes, yep, they're witches. Yes. You know what it's like? It's they like are the, full witches. It's like the ending of St. Maud, where she's like got all this ethereal halo stuff going mm-hmm. on. And then it's like flash cut. Nope. She just killed to herself. her being yeah. burned alive. I Yeah. Right? I like, I love that there is no ambiguity. Yeah. They're witches. I like that sometimes. It's like, you know, there, right. there's a place for like, oh, maybe it means this. Maybe it means that. True. But this is just like. A straight ahead, there are witches, they did corrupt her, they did kill her family, and now they're flying. But it's amazing because she walks out, these witches are singing, they're doing this wild chant. And they're, they're like dancing. They're dancing like undulating. absolute mad women in front of this fire, right? All nude, love it, And then the they, woods. Yeah, flapping around. It's beautiful. And then they start to levitate. And what did you think about the fact that Thomason, like, it's probably the most light we've seen in all the movie. There's this enormous bonfire. She's lit up. She's and She walks into them and she's laughing and she starts to float as well like what did you i think she laughs when she gets airborne okay so what did you think why is she laughing like is it just about that she's floating or i think it's like just a absolute utter release and it's like yeah, oh. me too and it's like here here we go i'm flying now let's just enjoy it for what it is i think so too i think she's diving in with two feet you just are meant to assume she's getting a lot of acceptance from these witches like they just bring her right into the fray and so For the people who thought, well, was she a witch all along? No, she wasn't. I agree. I don't think so at all. And then I think that what might give them that impression, though, is I think that the devil had targeted Thomason all along. Yeah. To be like, this is the one that I can... Can, that I can recruit mm-hmm. to my group of witches and be yeah. another, you know, another person in my service. And it's like the devil was there all along. Mm-hmm. Thomason didn't bring him. He was just there. Yeah. In their goat shit. 
Yeah, and he orchestrated everything to break Thomason down to make her as vulnerable as possible so that she would accept the call to become a witch, mm-hmm. right? That's interesting because that's kind of, um, that's like a cult thing. Oh, 100%. That's true. Yeah, because like cults recruit people who are vulnerable for different reasons. Yes, that's a good point. So I think there are some really intense kind of themes running through this movie. I love this movie. Um, Despair, bleakness, nihilism, uh, pessimism. It's a very, it's like a slog. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, look at all this bad stuff. And then Mm -hmm. it gets worse from there. Like I said, living in the 1600s would already be a nightmare for me. And then it's like, how much worse could it get? Going like, oh, thank God I don't. Right? And then I think the natural light that's used, it's so sparse. Everything in this movie is gray. It's like so draining. It's harsh. Part it, of that's probably the season too. True, and and you know I, I'm sure it's all intentional, but oh, it yeah, also made sense. Yeah. It also made sense in the setting, um, but I think that what it gets across are like kind of images or, or feelings of like depression, hopelessness, um, mm-hmm. things like that. That are some of the most difficult human emotions, and depression's more than an emotion, but some of the most difficult kind of human emotions, and we're just sitting in it for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And and then that kind of like leads to aggression and, and spite, mm. which when when there's a family that's acting kind of spiteful towards one another, it's like such a destitute situation by that point, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think also one of the things that made Thomason such good prey for the devil is just she had such a low self worth mm-hmm. that, and she was getting negative messages all the time, you know, including even the thing that she might have taken solace in, which was her prayer. And prayer, like prayer for this family was all about saying, I'm wicked. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm a piece of shit. God, please see that, but accept me. So I just think like it, it kind of, it rings true to so many different situations, right? Mm-hmm. Although it's like this wild story that, that occurs in the 1600s, right? Mm-hmm. So any final thoughts on this movie? Um, I love it for its frankness, like I said. Mm-hmm. I like that it's just a straight ahead story about a witch. It feels like a, like a fa- classic it witch. It feels like a fairy tale made real. Yes, and I think that one of the taglines or one of the descriptors for this movie used by the, the crew um, and like to promote the movie, what have you, is they call it a New England fairy tale mm-hmm. or a New England folk tale or something yeah. like that. So I think you're quite right. And um, yeah, so it, it feels like at the same time, obviously fantastical because it's about a witch but also so yeah. so real that i can imagine that someone found like uh, an account in in someone's old hut of oh, like of this you know i could imagine that because yeah. i just feel like um the world uh in the time in new england of the 1600s was evoked so effectively for me that i'm like right in it and super immersed and i had a great time I don't feel like it's very rich in mental health topics outside of like maybe a little bit more subtle that we could draw out if we're really looking for them. But I, I mean, I that's no problem for me. No, I mean, yeah, we, we certainly can do that and probably could go on for a long time about some of the themes in it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not as if they tried to use um, mental illness or anything like that as a vehicle no. in, no, in no, part no. of this story. I agree with you 100%. 
although probably just about everyone in the family would have met some kind of criteria for some kind of diagnosis at some point in the movie. Like they're all, they all have neuroses of some kind that they're trying to manage. Right. But of course it's the 1600s. They're more about draining blood out of somebody's head to try to treat their ailments. Right. Mm -hmm. So I take your point. That's a good point. And I want to ask you too. So as far as I know, the term elevated horror it was a term that began to be used in kind of the 2010s mm-hmm. somewhere. Do you kind of attribute this as part of that wave? Yeah, I would. If I was Me to too. give some someone an example of something that's been called that, I yes. would use this. And I was wondering at first if it might have been one of the first ones. There's been like art house horror and art horror forever, but it was kind of a new way of looking at things by calling it quote unquote elevated yeah. horror, which is a term Jenna and I don't really like. But um, the Babadook was a year before this one. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones I often think of as well when I'm thinking like elevated horror and what people might think of, right? Mm-hmm. Just something that tells a bit of a complex emotional story as well as lots of horror elements, right? And it's so funny. It's so funny because it speaks to like horror fans and some of the things that we're able to enjoy, right? Because some of the words I use to describe it, despair, bleakness <laughs> pessimism it's nihilistic loved it. <laughs> i loved it <laughs> right um but yeah we love this movie very much guys and we really appreciate you guys joining us once again and please you know we love to hear rate, from review, you all subscribe please rate please review um there's plenty of places to do it spotify apple podcasts anything helps to just kind of get the podcast out there and we really love connecting with new fans so we very much appreciate when you guys are able to do that Please reach out to us as well. We'd love to hear your take on this movie or any of the stuff we've covered. Instagram, the fear response podcast or Gmail, the fear response podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks so much guys for joining us. Thank you. Bye. wanted to be more popular than he was well don't we all (laughs) not me i'm just right (laughs) yeah you're like oh who needs that i'm exactly as popular as i want to be and we don't have to quantify how much that is just that you're happy with it's just right (laughs) 